John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. On this Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene goes to a tomb while it is still dark out, and she can't bring herself to look inside. Even before she goes to get the two disciples, she sees this stone rolled away, and she just knows in her heart that Jesus is not there. And so she and the two disciples assume the worst, that their teacher, having been a political threat and a victim of injustice, had yet again faced an injustice in this world. Mary assumes that someone had come and taken his body from the tomb, and there were all kinds of possibilities for why someone might do that, and none of them were good. It's only been three days since Jesus died, since he was killed, since Mary witnessed his death and helped to prepare his body and bury him. And all that grief that is still so fresh for her is magnified. After all of this, she can't even help care for his body. She's lost him all over again. We don't know why Mary came to the tomb that early morning in the first place. Maybe she came the night the morning before, too, or maybe this was the first time she could finally get herself 
to return to that garden, to that tomb, to that stone. Maybe she just needed to feel close to Jesus, even if it was just to sit next to a giant rock covering his tomb. Jesus was the one who called her by name and brought her into his life and ministry with all the disciples. He gave each of them a purpose, and for a woman in ancient Israel, this new life that Mary had found following Jesus would have been extraordinary. And so maybe after three years of miracles and ministry, of being called into an extraordinary life, Mary just went to that tomb to check and see if it all had really happened. Maybe Mary just needed to check back and see if it was real, if any of these last few years of life together, of healing, of miracles, of love and mercy, of heartbreak and tears, if any of it had been real, if this Jesus who had changed her life and had given his, if all of this had really happened. And when Mary arrives at that tomb and sees that stone rolled away, she breaks down. She rushes to find some of the other disciples who believe her that the tomb is empty, but simply return to their homes. Maybe they too are heartbroken. Maybe they have let go of some of their hopes. Maybe they just aren't sure how to respond to this empty tomb, so they go home to wait. But Mary can't leave. She's standing outside weeping. And finally, eyes filled with tears, she bends over to look inside the tomb to face the emptiness of it, to face that second loss, and to face two angels just hanging out where Jesus' body was laid. And Mary isn't afraid. In John's Gospel, she doesn't cower. She's not in awe of the angels standing there. She hasn't even had a chance to respond before they ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she replies with a determined fierceness that I will always love. She says, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid them. Obviously, that's why I'm weeping. You're sitting where he should be. I care about him. He's my Lord. He's missing. I'm sad. How can you even ask this question of me? And when she is asked again a second time, why is she weeping and who is she looking for, she doubles down and pushes for these messengers, this gardener, these people to help her. She says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She's focused. Like only grief and fierce determination can give focus, Mary will not leave that tomb until she knows where her teacher is, until she knows that the man who cared for her has been cared for even in death, until she knows where she can go to feel near to him, near to the hope he gave her, near to the mercy Jesus shared, near to that divine mystery that was Jesus. And what Mary doesn't realize, though, is that Jesus is already near. She's so wrapped up in her determination, in her grief, in her tears, she can't even see who she's speaking to. It takes Jesus calling her by name, Mary. And with that one word, Mary turns and sees. She sees the Jesus who shares with her the love and mercy of her Creator and Lord. She sees the Jesus who was broken by the sin of this world in his trial. She sees the Jesus who was killed by the brokenness of this world on that cross. And she sees the Jesus who just broke all of those barriers of sin and death. She sees the resurrected Lord, her Lord, her resurrected teacher, 
When Jesus calls Mary by name, her eyes are opened to the miracle standing right in front of her, that she actually is near to her teacher, her savior, her Messiah, to the one who shares the love of God with her and the love of the one who loved her before she could even know that she was deserving of that love. And in that moment, in this eye-opening, joy-filled, new life resurrection moment, it is pretty likely that Mary hugs Jesus. She hugs this eternal life-bringing, death-defying Son of God. Jesus appears, calls her by name, and he has to tell her that she can't hold on to him anymore. Jesus tells Mary that she can't hold on to him, and maybe, maybe that's figurative, right? Maybe it's a really nice message about grief and letting go, that Jesus still has work to do, and all of that is true. But let's be honest, in all of Mary's grief, in all of her determination, in all her tears, in this moment of joy, and the miracle of being near to Jesus, to the one she's lost twice, knowing that she doesn't need to sit by a stone anymore to feel near to him, having her eyes open to see him right there in front of her, you know Mary was hugging Jesus. And you know it was probably too tight. Like, come on, Mary, he's alive again. Jesus needs to breathe. Jesus has called Mary by name. He has opened her eyes to this miracle of love and mercy and new life for all and for her. And it's a message for the world. Jesus calls her to go and share this message that this father, this God that Jesus is going to is Mary's father, her creator, her God too. And this is the God who sends God's Son in, into the world to be a light in the darkness of early morning. This is the God who shares this Son, this message of love and mercy and new life with the world and with each of us. This God who calls us each by name, who calls you by name and says, You are my child. You are beloved. You are forgiven. And you are promised this new life. Through my risen Son, through Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, know that each of you are called by name. And when you open your eyes, it might simply be to witness that you are absolutely and totally loved. It might be that today you see that love the Creator has for you. Or maybe your eyes are open to the needs of this world. Maybe opening your eyes opens your heart. Maybe you are being called to share love and mercy through your actions, through your service to others. Or maybe you'll be like Mary Magdalene, the first preacher of the good news of Christ's resurrection, the first preacher of the gospel, a woman weeping no more, who goes and announces to the disciples the miracle of the resurrection, the miracle of her relationship with Jesus, the miracle of new life, of forgiveness, of love, of being called by name, of being seen by her Lord so that she can go and declare the words to others, I have seen the Lord. And you can go out, we can go out and share this message for the world, for you and for me. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.